talks about exhortation, talks about preaching, talks about teaching. I want to do exhortation this morning. And um, there is something I think we need to understand. Anyway, you ask me what I'm about to talk about is overcoming the spirit of intimidation. It's a simple thing. Intimidation. Amen? Uh, to intimidate is to make somebody to be afraid. Right? It's, it's, it's to be afraid. It's not to be sure of certain things. So you find that almost all the time you're thinking of wanting all the other. You're afraid. Am I going to succeed? Am I going to live well? Uh, would my husband still love me? You are just being intimidated by circumstance. Maybe there's a problem in the family and uh, it has entered into your mind and now you're thinking, how am I sure my wife will be coming back to me? How am I sure my husband will be coming back? How am I going to survive this present economic situation? Meaning the economic situation is intimidating you. It's bringing some fear into your heart. Amen? So you have all of these things going on. And sometimes because you are intimidated, you want to prove. Again, that's another negative side of it. Because of intimidation, you want to prove some things. You want to make people know, I'm alive. You want to make people know, I'm right here. You know, sometimes you are intimidated because you feel people around you, they don't love you the way they are supposed to love you. So you feel your spirit is not stable because you feel, well, I don't think these people love me. Sometimes you can think, I don't think these people love me. This church, as small as you love me, I don't think in my family, my children love me the way they are supposed to love me. My father doesn't love me the way they are supposed to love me. You are being intimidated. Something is going wrong in your spirit. Amen. But I want to make you understand something. And sometimes you also, maybe you're in position. You say, well, I'm supposed to be the leader of this church. I don't think people respect me as much as they can or as much as they do. So therefore, you want to do something so that they can respect you. You are just being intimidated. Are you following what I'm talking about? But you see, you can overcome this spirit. Praise the living God. Okay, so you can imitate about people living around you. By reason of the expectation of them towards you. Sometimes you feel people are not responding to you the way they are supposed to respond to you. You are being intimidated by these people. You feel, oh man, they don't love me. They don't respect me. Oh, they are not treating me well. They are not, you know, I mean, all manner of things. They are not respecting me the way they are supposed to respect me. It is a spirit of intimidation. But you can overcome it. Hallelujah. You overcome it. Sometimes in your place of work, you can feel intimidated. You know, when you start thinking that you are not loved, you are not valued. You see, all of this work that I do, nobody appreciates me. Now, now, let me tell you something for a start. There is something I want you to understand. That the truth is this. People quickly judge and punish wrongs as compared to giving reward for doing good. How many understand what I've just said? It is easier for people to condemn you, to punish you for the wrong done as compared to rewarding you for doing good. Have you noticed that in life? 
That is the way it is. Even in the family, you can find that. How many times, for instance, have you really appreciated your mother, your father? Have you ever said, thank you, dad? Or thank you, my... Even you parents, how many times for doing something good? It is always a difficult thing. But watch parents what happened. If, if the children will not do what they are supposed to do, they will always shout. Am I correct, somebody? It is the nature of man. Man is prone to rewarding evil quicker than rewarding good. So if you are expecting people to praise you all the time, you are being intimidated. Because they are not going to get it. <laughs> are you following what I am talking about? You are just losing your senses. You are losing yourself. Because you are expecting people to, oh, praise God, you are doing well. Oh, you are doing that. No, 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 no. You can hardly get that. Before you see people tell you that you are good, they shall have condemned you 80 times. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Before people praises you, they shall have condemned you 80 times. Even for instance, those of us preaching, how many times I remember say, oh, pastor, I love this message today. Before somebody will tell you that, they shall have spoken four or five times. I didn't like what the pastor preached today. Maybe he preached about me. Huh? I mean, you find things like that. So, you, you see, one of the reasons why you get intimidated is over expectation of what people should do or say to you. Are you getting that? You want to be praised. You want to be honored. You, you want to be highly spoken about of these things, this expectation they make you get intimidated in the midst of people. Praise the living God. So like the place of work, you find that. You, sometimes you think, oh, my boss is not really acknowledging what I'm doing. My boss is not really doing this. My boss is not really doing that. Now, I don't know how many times that um, Laban spoke good about Jacob until when he wanted to leave. You notice that? Never, I didn't read that. That, Jake, that Laban was praising Jacob with all the good things that he was doing in his house. I never read anything about it. But when he was about to leave, it was then he came up to say, oh, since you came in here, I learned by experience. Did you get that? Hallelujah. So, don't be intimidated. Even in your place of work. Job is showing you are doing the right thing. Job is showing you are doing what you are supposed to do. So, expectation in life is one of the most dangerous things that makes you get intimidated once you are not getting what is expected. Now, the danger of it is this. When you get intimidated most often, right, because of expectations of life, you are living in an unhealthy self-esteem. You know, those who are in the public speaking domain, they always proclaim self-esteem. Self-esteem. You need to have self-esteem. But you see, when you live in the realm of over-expectation, that is an unhealthy self-esteem. Is that alright? Praise the Lord. When you are intimidated, you try to prove who you are at all times and everywhere. That's a problem. Why do you really do some of the things you do? You try to prove yourself. You try to establish some things. You try to say, well, I'm around. You, you are acting because you are intimidated. Not because you are actually revealing what is in you. 
You just want acceptance. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. But I want it to be your real you. Can I hear an amen to that? No pretense. No, 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 no. I just want you to be your real you. Because that's what God loves. There is something in you that God has deposited. You don't have to overestimate yourself by or over, you know, how do I put it? It's self-importance. I, I think I have to come to that. You see, sometimes this intimidation results in the feeling of self-importance. You, you, want, to, you want to let people know I'm around. <laughs> are, are you getting that? What, what is self-importance? It's having too high opinion of your own importance. Are you getting that? That is self-importance. Having too high opinion of self-importance. You, you want to tell people. How, it's like saying, without me, you can't leave. Are you there with me? It's like telling people, look, if, if I'm not around, nothing works. And so you want to prove to people. You want to get them to come to that realization that you are, you are. Is that all right? Overestimation of your self-importance is an unhealthy self-esteem. And God doesn't like that. Hallelujah. So the major reason why you try to do all this and express so much recognition, yet it's not coming, is because you don't really know who you are. This is the only reason. You don't know who you are. If you know who you are, you don't compete with anybody. If you know who you are, you don't feel rejected. If you know who you are, you don't try to make people respect you. You don't, you don't get angry if they don't respect you. Either. I was listening to a preacher. And somebody came to the man and he said, Hey, pastor, I don't like the way you are operating. Let's put some structure so that people can respect you. And the pastor asked, do you respect me? He said, yes, I respect you. So why do you want others to respect me by putting on structures? If God begins to make them see my value like you have seen it, they will respect me. I don't need to put on structures for people to respect me. Is that all right? It's like you're trying to look for respect. You're trying to find means for people. Listen, it just comes naturally. Praise the living God. Just be who you are. Can I hear an amen? If you know who you are, then you don't need to prove anything to anybody. And you don't expect too much from people. Listen now, listen closely. If you know who you are, you don't need to prove anything to anybody. And you don't expect too much from people. You'll be stable in life. It makes you happy all the time. Because you won't recognize when people don't recognize you. You won't even think, you are not thinking about it. <laughs> are you following what I'm talking about? So, since you are not thinking that way, even if it doesn't happen, it doesn't affect you. Because you are not looking for respect. You're just living a normal life. Because you know who you are. Praise the Lord. Like I said before, people are prone to punishing wrongs, but don't know how to reward good. Is that all right? Don't forget that statement. Human life is like that. They often easily recognize the wrongs you've done. 
And the guy will speak about it as compared to the goods you've done. And thinking of rewarding you. Like I said, reward can simply mean thank you. Thank you itself is a reward. Your tribe is a reward. But how many times have you? Because these are the things we expect people to say to us. But the question is, how many times have you ever said that to anybody? Either your father, your mother, or your children. Because people say respect is reciprocal. And I think a reward is also reciprocal. Sometimes you reward people. After all, it's what you sow, you reap. Have you ever told someone one day, Oh, thank God for what you've done. Thank you. Just appreciate the person. Maybe sweeping the house. Maybe keeping. I mean, have you ever tried that? Hallelujah. Let me read a scripture so that it doesn't look like I'm talking all through. Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. Let's read it from the King James and then we'll read it from the Amplified Translation. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself, self-importance, high opinion of who you are, more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dared to every man the measure of what? Of faith. Let's take it from the Amplified. Praise the Lord. Now, now this is a problem we are having. So when you overrate yourself and you don't see people rating you the way you rate yourself, you get offended. Are you following me? For by the grace of merited favor of God given to me, I want everyone among you not to estimate self-esteem. Among you, that is everyone, to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought to. Not to have an what? Exaggerated opinion of his own what? Importance. So I want you to count those two words. Self-importance and self-esteem. Over self-esteem. That's why I said when you overrate yourself, it's an unhealthy self-esteem. While it is good for us to preach and tell people to have self-esteem, but when it is overrated, it becomes unhealthy self-esteem. That's what the Bible is saying. Is that all right? You see what God spoke to, I think, King Saul. He said, when you were small in your own eyes, did I not pick you up? Did you get that? We'll come into that. We'll talk some of those things. When you were small in your own eyes, when you felt like you were nobody, did I not pick you up? Hallelujah. He said, when you begin to see yourself to be too important, you can't even have good relationship with people. Is that all right? Because on the most part, you feel they must worship you, they must honor you, and when that doesn't come out, which is your expectation, oh my God, you end up saying, this people don't love me. You're going to have different mindsets in relating with those around you. But the unfortunate thing is we do not even know that that is the way you are thinking. So how do we meet your expectation? <laughs> because this thing is the thing of the mind. How do I know what you are thinking most times? Hallelujah. Look at it here. Yeah? Was he saying not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance but to raise his ability with sober judgment 
each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. Can I hear another amen? And this is very important. Now I'm going to illustrate all that I'm trying to say with my brother, my father, my heir, and you know what I'm talking about, who I'm talking about, Jesus. Amen? Our Lord, the example that he gave to us. Now, there is something I want you to see from the life of Jesus about what I'm sharing with you this morning. Don't overestimate yourself. Right? Don't have an unhealthy self-esteem, but know who you are. In knowing who you are, you overcome this problem that I'm talking about now. So that your joy will be full in the midst of people. Are you there with me? So that you don't start feeling all the time that people are looking down on you, people don't respect you. No, 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 no. It is self over exaggerated self-importance which we don't even know because there is no way for us to know that that's the way you are thinking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Talk with me to John 3 in verse 35, King James. Now I want you to look at this. The father lost the son and has given all things into what? His hand. How many things did he give to him? How many things? All things. Into whose hand? Into the son's hand. Is that alright? Am I already helping somebody? You look so calm. <laughs> I tell you this is pastoral in a way. Amen? This is pastoral. I'm not necessarily ministering to your soul this morning. I'm ministering to your spirit. You know, the Bible says God rejects, despises, if I may use the word, hates the pride, but gives a grace to the humble. What will enable you to have grace is what I'm talking about. Is that okay? Now, John 13. The scripture says here, God has given all things, not some, unto his son. If you can embrace what I'm saying this morning, no matter the office you are holding, whether secular or in the church, whatever it is, you won't overrate yourself. You will know that even as a matter of fact, you are a servant for being a leader. Are you there with me? John 13, verse 1. I love Jesus. He is my pattern, he's my example anytime. Okay. John 13, verse 1. Now, before the face of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto his death. That's something about leadership. When you love people, nothing separates you from them. Even if they are present with you or they are not present with you. If you love people, it is a love unto what? Unto death. Especially as a shepherd. Especially the ones that the Lord has given unto you. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
I'm sure I'm not too fast because Uncle Francis often tells me, you read too fast. And sometimes my wife said, you read too fast. So um, I'm taking it slow. I'm sure I'm slow now. Number two. Can we get to verse two? I'm trying to be slow. And so by being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Verse 3. Jesus knowing. Now you listen closely. Jesus knowing that the Father has given how many things? All things into his hand. And that he was come from God and went to God. What's the next thing? He rises from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and guided himself. What's the next thing? After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he has what? He was guided. What's the meaning of that? What made Jesus come to the place of seven people? The Bible said, knowing that all things have been what? given unto him. He was not intimidated to serve the people. Knowing who you are changes everything about your life. Can you get that? All because he knew who he was. In other words, watching disciples' feet will not take anything from him. Because he knew who he was. That all things have been given unto him. He was the beloved of the father. That understanding. Hallelujah. Amen. Just that knowledge alone. Just that knowledge alone. Hallelujah. Jesus could only say because. He knew who he was. And that it had all been given to him by the father. So here, he wasn't looking for recognition from men. Neither will he position with the father into the heart of men to say, well, I am the head. And therefore, he's got to misbehave. No. Knowing that all things. If you come to recognize who you are. If you've come to know that the Lord has so prospered you and there is something on your inside God wants you to walk out with in life, it doesn't matter who recognizes you or not. It keeps your head on a low and a cool level. Are you following what I'm talking about? One of the reasons why we pride ourselves is because we don't know who we are. One of the reasons we always feel people should respect us the way we think they should is because we don't truly know who we are. We don't understand yet who God have really made us to become. Praise the living God. I'm going to show you another example again with Jesus. Today I'm going to send out all my examples from Jesus' life. Some other time I pick one or two persons that you're going to understand. Let's walk. The Bible says, I set for us a pattern to follow. If you read down on John 13, it says, If you do these things, blessed are they if you know them and do them. You see, if you know 
that God have made you. If you know you belong to God, if you know you are a child of God, nothing intimidates you. Hallelujah. So fine, Jesus was not intimidated. Why? Because he knew he was who? The son of God. And all things have he given unto him, unto him. Nothing. Seventy people will not take those things from him. Seventy people. He said, because he knew this, he started to wash the disciples' feet. So what led him into washing is because of what he knew. What did you really know about yourself? What do you think God has done with you? What do you think God is doing with you? That understanding will humble you to serve your fellow being. That understanding of God's love for you will humble you to serve your neighbor. Hallelujah. You are only proud because you don't know who you are. You are just feeling big because you don't truly know your wants. You don't know it. If you know it, no, 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 no. You can feel big. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's take another example from Jesus. John chapter 8. God give us grace to the humble. And I pray this will help us come to that realization. Amen? Let's look at it from verse number 1. John 8 from verse 1. Jesus went on the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And this is one of the bias that the Jews had against women, especially the Pharisees and the scribes. If she was caught in the very act, one person cannot commit adultery. So where is the man? Because it was in the very act. Huh? And that's what he said. So where is the man? This woman was caught in the very act. No, but that's not what I'm bringing out. You're going to get something now. Now Moses in the law commanded us that Saul should be stoned. But what said thou? What's the next thing? This is said unto him that he might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he had them not. Mm -hmm. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up his hand and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast what? A stone at her. Now this is what I want you to catch. He that is without sin. Is that alright? Hallelujah. Now turn to 2 Corinthians 5. And verse 20 and 21. Very interesting thing for me. Now, then we ambassador for Christ, although God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he had made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Has anybody picked anything yet? 
Now you listen. Verse 8 is saying, I mean, what is it verse 8 now? He that is without sin, let him first carve his stone at him. I mean, at her. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now, the Bible says Jesus is without sin. Meaning, he should be the first to stone the woman. But the point is, why did, she, why did he not stone the woman? Because he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. Do you understand that? So if you know who you are, you don't prove anything. Does it make sense to you? <laughs> he that without sin, let him first carve the stone. And Jesus is without sin. So if he takes the stone and cast on the woman, he will prove to the people he is without sin. But he doesn't have to do that because he knows who he is. So if you know who you are, you don't prove anything. Are you getting something this morning? <laughs> Glory to God. The Bible says he is without sin. So he should be the first. You know, when he said this, come on, understand it. What we look at is okay, man, these people, they are sinful, they, nobody's righteous. No, that is not the excess of the whole thing that I'm looking at this morning. Jesus was without sin. So by his own words, he should be the first to do what? To stone the woman. Just to prove that he was sinless. He doesn't have to prove to anybody that he was what? He was sinless. But he knows who he is. You see, you try to prove all the time just because you are intimidated. Did you get it now? You're trying to make people know who you are is because you are not sure of who you are. You see, why you feel people don't recognize you, that's what leads you to proving everything all the time. Let me prove it. Let it, this person must know that they should know. No, you don't have to make people know anything. Did you get that? Jesus doesn't have to have time to make people know anything. <laughs> Because you know who he was and who he is. Because he see that was, that is, and that is to come. He knew exactly who he was. Are you catching this? Kingsley, are you with me? He doesn't have to prove anything. He said, He that is without sin, let him stone. So he should have been the first man to pick the stone and stone the woman. And then, oh man, this man is sinless. He doesn't have to do that. But he knew that he was what? He was sinless. Why do you like to prove everything? I mean, you are not like Jesus. You should be like Jesus. <laughs> it's the pattern song. We don't, we don't have to let people know we are here. We don't have to be, sometimes you don't even have to let people know how innocent you are. I mean, you understand that? I can go on and on. Remember, when Pilate was questioning him, he didn't reply anything. He said, all this thing they are saying against you, what do you have to say? He kept silent. You don't need to prove sometimes. If you truly can know who you are, if you can understand where God is taking you from and when he's taking you to, even if you have been accused, you don't need to prove anything. 
That's where the scripture says, Vengeance is mine. Leave it to God. Do you feel you are falsely being accused? Go to God in prayers. Leave it to God. He's going to prove you right. Are you still there with me? Oh, this person is destroying my image. This person is destroying my... No, no, no. Let them keep destroying. They did that to Jesus. But the stone that the builders refused will later become the chief cornerstone. Are you following me? I want you to catch this thing so that our life will be modeled after the life of Jesus. This thing they are saying about me, you know it's not true. I must do something about it. Jesus did nothing to prove that he was innocent. How many people will you go talk to if you have been destroyed in the city? Those who try to destroy you, they walk faster than you do. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Because the agenda is to, listen, evil or false news or rumor go faster than truth. How many of you understand that? So how many people are you going to go tell now that all that they are saying about you is not true? Praise the living God. Are you following what I'm talking about? I want you to catch it because it's very important. It's not all the time you prove your innocence. It's not all the time you feel people are running you down. It's not all the time. No, 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 no. Jesus knew who he was. So he had no time to prove anything. And when I got this revelation, it shook me to my foundation. He that is without sin, let him first take the stone and stone this woman. And scripture says, Jesus is what? Is without sin. So why did he not stone the woman? Because he don't have any need to prove to people that he was sinless. What do we do? Wherever we find ourselves. At home. Among our children. Among our husbands. Among, I mean, in a place of work. What do we do? Oh, I'm being falsely accused. Oh, yes, fine. Think about it. Are you sure? Scriptures, people say, a, a, a clear conscience fears no fall. Remember that? If your conscience is clear, if you're sure all they're saying is not true, relax. God will fight for you. You don't need to prove anything. You don't need to. The energy we use to prove that you are correct, turn it into something else for God. Amen? Praise the living God. I mean, it's so important to understand these things. This is very simple. But I think it will help somebody to live better. Don't be intimidated. So how do you overcome intimidation? It's just to know who you are. Is that alright? That's how you overcome. If you recognize the ability God has given to you, the Bible talks about the proportion of faith he has given. If only you can acknowledge that anytime, anywhere, you can live well amongst people. Whether you are recognized, whether they praise you, whether they talk well of you, you don't have any problem with anybody. You are not going to prove anything to anybody. Oh, come on, think about it. Uh, listen, you, you don't need to make people know something. Don't prove anything. Jesus will have been the first to do that. But he didn't do it. 
the heaven of the Father for that matter. Hallelujah. Are you still following me? I want you to catch this because it's so simple. It's, 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 it's simple. It's something that you can apply every day of your life. Hallelujah. Anytime, anywhere. Praise the Lord. And that's simply you don't even know who you are. Why you can't serve other people? Why you think it's, it's a big issue to serve other people? It's because you don't know who you are. Close to 10 years now, the Lord made me to see that. The place of realizing that if I'm truly the child of God that I know I'm supposed to be, nothing is difficult for me to do for people. I can wash their feet. I can serve them. This just hit me. So you get that, my son? He is sinless. Why is it that he didn't stone the people? I mean, stone the woman. Because he doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. Who you are is between you and who? And God. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying here? I want you to catch this. This looks like a seminary class. But I think it will go in. Hallelujah. I want something to go into your spirit. I want something to help you change your way of thinking and your way of living because sometimes the way you live is under the influence of the spirit of what intimidation you are being intimidated people don't love me people don't like me people don't appreciate me you just been i mean intimidated how many people appreciated jesus for all that he did in fact the things he was doing were the things that made him made people to say they should kill him Hallelujah. Have men changed? No. Man is still man. The best of men is still men to tomorrow. Man haven't changed. You are expecting too much from people. It will kill your spirit. It will, it will, it will, it will take the grace God has given to you from serving, from doing good. It will take it from you. That expectation, people don't appreciate me. People don't think about me. People don't love me. People can't look at all that I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. Nobody's thinking. Nobody's saying. That will take that grace. How many of you understand that giving yourself is a grace? Prayer is a grace. God talks about the spirit of supplication from the book of Zechariah. Others are not doing, therefore I will not do. You are trying to feel people are not recognizing you. You are living under the spirit of intimidation. Hallelujah. Am I the only one in the church? Oh, your wife will speak to you. Are you the only one in the church? Why are you carrying the whole thing on your head? You forgot that that is the grace God has given to you. And God is going to reward you based on your faithfulness in that thing which he has given to you to do. Are you with me? Don't live under the spirit of intimidation anytime. You know, husband and wife, you see all these little things. All that I'm doing in this house. Everything I'm trying to do. Never a time. Even if the man has once said thank you. You say never a time. What about that one that he said thank you? It's never a time. When, when, since we're in this house, have you ever said thank you? Oh. You see, you're living under the spirit of what? Intimidation. 
It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I want us to live freely. Hallelujah. I want us to have freedom with our lives, freedom with ourselves. No, all this, those things are very important. They are very important. Thank you is very important. Good money is very important. And that's one of my witness, you know. Sometimes I look at my wife, she's always saying good morning. And my conscious people, when do you ever turn around to say good morning? Because sometimes you wake up first. Because if I'm getting good money from her, what stops me from giving good money to her? Are you following what I'm talking about? Good money should be good money. It's not only woman that wishes you good money. Are you following what I'm talking about? Man, let's not live under intimidation. Let's come to the place of let's flow. Come on, let love flow. Amen. Anything we are doing, we do it out of love, out of sincerity, out of understanding of who we are. So whether somebody say thank you or not, just keep doing what you are supposed to be doing. Can I hear an amen? Don't prove anything. And sometimes the way people prove is this, Pastor. I won't sweep again. Let's see. Let's see. I know if I don't sweep this house, nobody will sweep it. After about two, three days, I said it. Look at the house now. You're trying to prove a point. You don't have any need to prove anything. Jesus did not take the first stone. Amen. Anytime that mind is coming to you, remember Jesus. He refused to prove the point. Don't prove any point. If you are people who are weak and you are living among them and God has given you this strength, do what you are supposed to do. They may not be saying thank you, but in their inner man, they might be saying, if not for sister, if not for my dad, if not for my mother, if not, they will be saying it because sometimes it's difficult for men. I've told you before, people easily see your wrongs as compared to your good side because the heart of man is so blinded. They don't see as God sees. They see as men sees. How many of you see the blind man? The story of the blind man that was here by Jesus. He touched his eyes. He said, what do you see? Huh? He said, you can't see anything. Touch him again. First time he said, I see men as trees. Huh? And they touched him again. He said, what do you see? He said, I see men the way they are supposed to be. So he first took him to the spirit and he brought him out. So normally man sees double. You have the arch natural eyes and you have the spiritual eyes. Until you connect to the spiritual eyes, you'll be estimating people from the natural point of view. That's why you have your problem. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Just I hear the man, what do you see? It's I see men as trees. And that's the way God sees people. That's why you are called the trees of righteousness. So he first took him to the realm of spirit and he touched him again. So what do you see? He said, I see men just the way they are. I said, fine, I brought you to the natural life. But first I took you to the spiritual dimension. So man is seeing both ways. So to help yourself, you try to see from a spiritual perspective. Sometimes even if you have issues going on, see from a spiritual perspective. Are you still there with me? So that you are not intimidated. Because if you look at it from the natural perspective, you want to prove a point. <laughs> I, want to, I want to let this person know I'm not that weak. I want to let the man know I'm not that stupid. Huh? You don't need to prove any point. You want to be like Jesus? You want to be like him? Anytime, anywhere. Live like Jesus. Hallelujah.
Have I helped somebody this morning? Don't live by the spirit of what? Intimidation. You can overcome it. Stand up.